0: Murderers decoding the crime verse. 911, what's (laughs) your (laughs) emergency?
1: Welcome to Decoding the Crime Verse, right here next to him I'm Nolte Lee.
0: And I'm Danny. You know what I, Nolene annoys me Because she doesn't have variety In her life
1: I Listen I like good topics The weeks that I choose the topics We have good Sorry Topics I chose Bonnie and Clyde The weeks I that Danielle chooses the topics No stop it stop it Unless you are she's lying. got persuasion by our conversations Before she chooses the topic Because when you chose Bonnie and Clyde We had spoken about it before We're like ah it's so cool And then your week you chose it if you don't have Guidance In choosing your topic I We end the, up with topics like this I chose the pirates That was interesting
0: The lady pirate at the end Was interesting I chose Luciano And Bugsy Siegel that No was you my, didn't That was my topic No that wasn't your topic that was my topic I refused I chose Alcatraz You enjoyed that Well you've run out of
1: topics Danny the last few topics Have been Horrifying
0: what you made us do funny things you made me do a conspiracy about a ship jumping through time that listen
1: that was interesting I know you guys enjoyed that that could possibly be true we can't fight people's testimony this this is rubbish you know what Nolene just needs to see a therapist. At no, point. you need to see a therapist. We can't keep fighting on every single show well, about topics. Well, it's not topics. my fault that you're stubborn. I like a variety of topics, and I honestly am open minded. Like, if you listen to any one of our shows from the beginning until open-minded. now, open minded, you'll know that open-minded. I've been open minded from the beginning. Open minded is the person my who will mind,
0: not budge about George W. Bush the queen that's me being open-minded uh, absolutely not you would not punch no matter how much i owe. you won't budge either well I, I admit that i'm stubborn i know i'm stubborn i'm not stu- i'm just saying she is stubborn anyway, i closed my today. mind after
1: edward keen that's what she did to me now we're doing dr death you know i tell them about this man we are dealing with
0: dr harold shipman it looks like the unassuming Santa Claus. man living in the suburb of English town of Hyde just east of Manchester no one could have guessed he would go on to be known as Dr Death he was convicted of murdering 15 of his patients but authorities estimate it's more likely he killed between 215 and 260 people between 1971 and 1998 making him Britain's most prolific serial killer Nolene, you and I started the show Because of a conversation we had At a lunch Where the rest of the table were very concerned Because we were praising serial killers So you cannot tell me that you now don't find Serial killers entertaining Serial killers that do serious killings This guy was injecting people Old people Okay, you know what I'm going to host this by myself Because Nolene is just (laughs) Nolene
1: because <laughs> as far as I know By the time you get to the kills People will be sleeping This man's not interesting Sorry, sorry Mr. T so you're D- not telling them our show is not interesting No, this man is very interesting, guys He killed 216 to 260 people
0: Noreen just has
1: no taste Not even the Zodiac Killer is killed that many Exactly people. And
0: he went under the radar for 20 years Wow. I can't deal with you, (laughs) honestly. You are infuriating. Absolutely infuriating. Anyway, so let's just look into his background. (sighs) (laughs) Harold Frederick Shipman was born on January 14th, 1946 in Nottingham, England. And he was from a modest working class family. And his nickname was Fred. Imagine, oh, my neighbor Fred. Oh, he's a serial killer. Imagine.
1: He's not a serial killer, this man.
0: You have to kill three people to be a serial killer. (laughs) Dean. He was said to be a very bright child, but also described as a loner. And after a personal tragedy in his life, he was inspired to go into medicine. Because when he was a teenager, he watched his mother die of lung cancer. And he observed helplessly as she was given injections of diamorphine to ease the pain of the disease. This was later the very drug that he used to murder his own patients. She passed away when he was seventeen, and his the loss profoundly affected him. In 1965, Shipman began his studies at Leeds University Medical School, where he met and started dating Primrose Oxterby. She then became pregnant, and they married soon after that. On November fifth, 1966, they had four children, and were seen as. Seen as a seemingly average happy family. Can I ask you a question? Yes. Like, let's say you get married, right? Yes.
1: And then, like, you have kids and everything's And rosy. you find out your husband's yeah. a serial like, killer. Yeah, like, would you be happy you know, or would what you do be you mortified?
0: Do? I'd be mortified. I think. But we like serial killers. True. But I don't want to be sleeping next to
1: one. <laughs> <laughs> he won't kill you. Well, How do you it know? It depends. It depends on what type of serial killer it is.
0: It depends. If he did a bang-up job like the Zodiac or maybe Jack the Ripper, you know those really cool series? Yeah. Maybe then I'll... I'll I'd write books after that, I'm telling you. I'd write books, but I'd also make sure he never gets caught so that I can say, guys, my husband didn't No, but like, these guys don't tell their wives I'm killing people. So you wouldn't know. You think my husband would be able to hide it from me? No. no. Exactly. (laughs) Shipman graduated from medical school in 1917 and began working as a junior doctor in West Yorkshire. He secured his first general practitioner position at another medical clinic in the same town. And not long after this, his true colors started to show as my man was addicted to heroin. Don't do drugs, please. He was also addicted to injectable painkillers. I think that is I don't understand how you can be addicted to something you have to inject in. I am petrified of needles. So, I don't understand the obsession. Mm -hmm. In 1975, Shipman was caught forging prescription narcotics for his own use. And he was convicted, convicted of obtaining opioids through forgery and deception, which resulted in him losing his job and being fined £600 and briefly being checked into a rehab clinic. However, the General Medical Council didn't actually penalize him and actually only wrote him a warning letter so his later employees didn't actually know this man was that's a drug, but can i tell you like it is sloppy because i think he would have been caught a lot faster if people yeah. knew that this man's was
1: a but druggy doesn't necessarily mean serial killer yeah but the if it's the s-
0: if you then notice that uh, ju- uh, that same drug is going missing in big quantities. Yeah, you so. make the link. Yeah, you get what I'm saying. At at very least, that check into him. Mm. Right. So, by 1977, Shipman had su- was successfully practicing again as a GP at a medical center in Hyde Park, the town which the majority of his murders took place. However, this doesn't mean he hadn't been killing before because experts believe he'd been killing ever since he had started his drug addiction, which I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah, I think he'd been killing a lot. (coughs) I think there's a lot more victims that we don't even know about. The first believed victim is Eva Loins, and she was killed the night before her 71st birthday. By the 1980s, Shipman had become a respected doctor and member of high community. And in 1992, he'd established his own private practice in family medicine. The independence and lack of oversight afforded him the opportunity to commit his crimes. And by, but however, by this point, he'd already killed around 70 people. Yeah. Um, that's, I mean, it's ridiculous. At the time he was caught, he had over 3,000 registered patients and his reputation was so solid that many were unable to believe that he was a murderer. However, some people said that he was aggressive, conceited and arrogant, which I wouldn't be surprised. Most serial killers also have that like, yeah. narcissistic yeah. trait. Reportedly, he could be hateful to any person he considered his intellectual inferior. Shipman would make house calls in the majority of the cases of his patients, kill them with a lethal injection of diamorphine, which is the pharmaceutical name for heroin. I actually didn't know that. I learned that while researching. The nature of the murder meant watched them die relatively quickly, and he was hiding in plain sight and was known mostly to prey on elderly patients. The victims were frequently older women who lived alone but were in good health, and he w- were only seeing him for a checkup or a mild affliction. Of his victims, 171 were women and 44 were men. He was also I known. Didn't know he killed men. Yeah, but I mean, <clears throat> it's like not even half. Yeah. Um, I think the men would have been If he was desperate for that Because I I honestly believe He was addicted to killing Um, When he needed to kill And didn't have a female option You get what I'm saying? That's why I feel like There's so little But also men men. could fight back That's also true But when (coughs) I mean if you don't know what they're injecting, injecting you into with. Into you you I could suppose. say, I'm injecting you with whatever, yeah. your daily vitamins. And
1: Unless he's a psycho and he honestly wants to, from the moment he injects you, just go, you yeah. die. Yeah,
0: But then I believe then at in the homes, I've, I mean, I do believe the victims would have struggled. I d- yeah. There was never signs of a struggle. Yeah. Yeah. So he was also known to target people with terminal illnesses. But would also kill patients that were merely considered annoying. (laughs) If I had to kill everyone I found annoying, I would have a very long trail. I'm kidding. (laughs) I'm really kidding. dame Jan- janet smith a high court judge who served as chairperson on his inquiry said and i'm gonna i'm gonna quote her. many patients describe shipman as having a wonderful bedside manner especially with the elderly he would make s- much of them and sometimes tease them gently they liked it he made them feel like he was a real friend yet he would still kill them Find found that worse yeah like imagine now you think this person is your friend and then they murder you um, mm-hmm. <laughs> he was also known to be blunt and straightforward for example when one son asked about his father he was like well I wouldn't buy, bother buying him easter eggs like he's gonna die before easter eggs yeah. and guess what the man died like four days later yeah but you see that was the thing because he said stuff like that when you, the person died you didn't think anything of it because the doctor had been like I wouldn't have any hope yeah you get what I'm saying it's honestly quite genius <laughs> he had several methods which he managed to hoard massive amounts of diamorphine. morphine. Now, obviously, drugs of this nature are highly regulated and controlled. But however, failures of the system and Shipman's own ingenuity, he managed to evade detection for 20 years. That's crazy. Now, this is where I find <coughs> a problem on the medical system because this is ridiculous. And I'm going to tell you the figures yeah. in a moment. In some cases, he would call in false prescriptions, and in other times he would steal drugs from cancer patients. One investiga- one investi- I don't know what I was coming up <laughs> one investigation found that between 1992 and 1998, he managed to illegally obtain 24,000 milligrams of dimorphine. That's crazy. That alone is enough to kill 720 people. Do you see why I'm saying he killed more than we know? Yeah. Because where's that rest? Or maybe he was just also... But he couldn't have used that much. Yeah, but
1: like, that's a ridiculous amount of... Because they're saying 216 people. Yeah, I mean, that's 720. He couldn't have used the rest.
0: After a patient was killed, Shipman would usually find a way to persuade the grieving family not to do an autopsy and give some possible explanation for the unexpected death. Dame Janet described that... Shipman had become a plausible and accomplished liar, which was a testament to his skill. However, his descriptions of the sudden death were really stupid and I'm going to give you some. Hmm. I turned around to get my stethoscope out my bag and she just collapsed and died. I was telephoning for an ambulance and she gave one cough and I turned around and I could see she was dead. <laughs> she just died while I was examining her. <laughs> Who believes that? Like, just
1: randomly. I'm just sorry.
0: If the doctor gave me that for my loved one's death, I'll be like, you're <laughs> talking nonsense. She
1: just turned around one second and then you turned back yeah, and was, she was, was dead. I was
0: just looking in my bag and <laughs> back dead on the floor. Hanging. Like, what the hell? Oh, sorry it's so stupid. <laughs> how he got away with this for twenty years i don't know, yeah, Shipman seemed to have a variety of tactics which he used on the family, which then he kind of gained authority, so when he said this is how they died, they believed him. yeah, he would also convince them to have the body cremated so that any evidence was turned to ash. yeah unbelievably, two doctors were actually meant to confirm cause of death before cremation and in any of the cases, none of that happened. So, again, it's failure on the, the UK's medical system. Yeah, it's was to be re-looked terrible. Terrible. Mm. There would be periods of time when the killings would temporarily cease, generally when he was afraid of being caught, and when he came back t- and started killing again, he'd often kill a terminally ill patient not to arouse suspicion. Yeah. From 1997, he was on his biggest killing spree, having committed 37 murders in that year alone. From her investigation, Dame Janet hypothesizes that he had become virtually out of control and he was displaying addictive behavior and he needed to kill more in order to fulfill that addiction. Yeah, no, he was definitely addicted. Yeah, I mean, he was he definitely had an addictive personality, first being addicted to the heroin and then to killing yeah yeah. way to spiral <laughs> so how was he caught I mean if he was 20 years of being undetected how did they actually find him and in 1998 the suspicious high mortality rate of his patients came into question a nearby clinic actually were like listen this man's uh, mortality rate is 10 times greater than ours yeah so they reported this to the local coroner who went to the Manchester police however like they do they've f- failed to do a background check and didn't learn about his criminal record or his medical board history but like what kind of background check did they do did do they just like no, look no, at his can file I tell and you go ah
1: he's good this is when they bought the witches
0: for Agatha Christie I, I <laughs> you I don't no, I don't understand uh-huh. They asked the local health authority to check patient records. But what Shipman had done, so before, like, obviously, like, he'd see, let's take an example. He's seeing Susan for about five weeks. Mm. During each checkup, he's writing down false ailments in her, her file yeah. so that when she mysteriously dies, it doesn't look like anything happened. Yeah. So when they're checking the reports, they're like, no, but this she would have died. Yeah. So, I mean, he he planned. Mm-hmm. He wasn't <laughs> they're fooling around, if I can put it that way. Nothing came up from the investigation, which gave him three more months to continue killing, which it said that three more murders occurred. While Shipman was never motivated by wealth, it was ironically this fact and his greed that led to his capture. Because on June 24th, 1998, Shipman arrived at the cottage belonging to Kathleen Grandy, the former mayor of Hyde. She was an 84-year-old young woman. I just said a 84-year-old young young woman. woman. (laughs) Great, guys. Who was fit and in excellent health and expecting a routine blood test when she was injected with a lethal dose of painkillers. On her death certificate, he certified that the cause of death was old age and ticked the box for cremation. And, however, he lied about another official document. And he said, he forged Grundy's will and said that he had left her entire Four hundred thousand pounds estate to him after one checkup. Like, what did you
1: do in that checkup that makes me write all my money? Yeah, to Yeah, like, w- why are we such friends like, that I I'm leaving a all my test money
0: and then? Grandy's daughter, Angela Woodruff, was an, a, a lawyer and immediately knew there was foul play, and that's when she began to look into shipman's history, and this is when the lies started to come to life. He was also not very good at forgery because he left a fake, he left a fingerprint, and the typewriter he used had like something wrong with its key I'm one missing of its keys yeah, key. And that made it easy for them to track it back to him. So that was dumb Woodruff ensured that her mother had been buried and not cremated And so they exhumed the body for testing Where they found medical grain heroin in her muscle tissue Shipman was then arrested in relation to her murder And over the next two months 11 more victims which hadn't been cremated Were dug up And again they all came to the same conclusion They had been murdered Done, done, (laughs) done. Authorities got access to the computer files at Shipman's medical office and found ample evidence of false entries to support his claims to causes of death. In 2000, Harold Shipman was convicted of forging Kathleen Grundy's will as well as committing 15 murders taken place between 1995 and 1998. Obviously, we said this is not all his kills. Shipman was sentenced to 15 consecutive life terms without the opportunity of parole. For decades, Shipman never admitted his guilt, nor did he provide evidence of his motives, leaving experts and investigators to theorize senselessly about his killing. Dame Janet said that some evidence shows obviously that he has an addictive personality and possibly got this form of addiction and also speculated that he had this mentality of playing God or he got pleasure from watching patients yeah. The way in which Shipman was finally apprehended was because he had been sloppy, whereas for decades he had been extr- exceedingly cautious. So yeah. some people speculate he actually wanted to get caught. And apparently, psychiatric experts say this is unco- not uncommon with serial killers. Sometimes, when the burden of killing comes too much, they consciously or subconsciously sabotage themselves. themselves yeah. And some other people said though they believed that maybe he wanted he was afraid of getting caught so he needed the money to flee. So he was gonna take the money and run. Yeah. On january 13, thousand and four, he committed suicide in his cell in Wakefield prison and that was the end of Doctor Death.
1: At least he killed himself as one of his murders.
0: Can I tell you that this is what I think. I think he did definitely have the addictive personality, but I think after losing his mom, he needed a way to to rationalize that and he did that by then killing these people because it's like now i can be in control of who lives and who dies you get what i'm saying yeah because i feel like it was very traumatic for him to watch his mom die literally not being able to do something and the fact he's using the same drug i mean there's definitely a connection to his mom's death
1: i think also he wanted to keep reliving it to maybe do it correctly Because when someone dies, you often feel like, oh my gosh, there's something more I could have done, said, whatever. Yeah, like this this is his way
0: of being like, oh my goodness, I didn't have control then, but I have control now. What's
1: very disappointing for me about this case, besides the case that the case is disappointing, if you get what I'm saying, <laughs> is the fact that he's only convicted of 15 and we've seen this very often where they're like, he yeah, killed 680! Yeah.
0: But, but, but the problem, problem was, was... You see, the problem was they were only able to exhume, if you count Grundy, 12 yeah. bodies. Yeah. With what are you going to... You can't you now can't. actually say who he murdered yeah. and who he didn't murder. So I... it It sucks because those... However many hundreds don't get their justice. Yeah. But I also do feel like, I feel like before he was killing patients in his home, I wouldn't be surprised if he was killing other people. Yeah. Because this is an addiction I think started, I think he snapped the day his mom died. Yeah. So I don't think he would have waited till he was qualified. You get what I'm saying? Yeah. I feel like there's a lot more to the story, which is really sad. Yeah. But I suppose we will never know because we can never actually know all his victims. Yeah. But that is all for this week and we will see you next time. Until then, we'll have better topics. Oh my but goodness. No, no mourners, leave. No funerals. <laughs> <laughs> the Active FM shows? will then catch us on Instagram at Active FM 777, Twitter and Gab at Active FM, Facebook at Active FM forward slash 777, as well as YouTube at Active FM and our website at www.activefm.co.za. Don't stop, don't hesitate, find, follow and enjoy us on all our different platforms. You don't want to miss out.